This is the Video Junkyard Podcast. A place that appeals to your deepest and darkest fantasies. The dead whose haunted souls hunt the living. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. From this nightmare world emerges a fearsome half-man, half-ape with the strength of 20 demons. And welcome back to another episode of the Video Junkyard Podcast. We are your hosts, Joe Peterson. And Eric O'Branson. And uh, thank you for tuning in once again, or downloading, or streaming, or however it is you actually listen to the podcast, as we slowly and carefully and meticulously excavate the archaeological site that once was Blockbuster Video. So, <laughs> we are, uh, of course, you know, yes. look at looking at back to looking at some of our just forgotten gems in cinema history the last couple of weeks we've had some really cool specials regarding phantasm and uh you know of course we did our, our two-part on the exorcist films uh the, the prequels of the exorcist which was a really interesting conversation i hope you all enjoyed that but today we're back with just some random movies and next week will probably be yeah, another so random movie so this will be kind of fun back into our comfortable territory of not a huge concept and just kind of picking something off the dvd shelf that uh we think would be interesting to talk about or maybe something that you, the uh, general audience might um, not have seen or might not remember seeing. <laughs> yeah, and I think the movie that we're going to talk about tonight and actually the one that I know we're going to be talking about next week um, both really fit into that category because these are films that when you bring them up to people, if they have heard of them, it's always a, oh yeah, but it's never a, oh of course, I watched that annually a couple, or a couple of times a year and I can quote yeah. it, so... These are, yeah, I wouldn't I would, say that these are cult films, really, because I don't even think they have big cult followings. Yeah, the, I think the one we're going to talk about tonight is a bit more of a cult film than yeah. um, next week's, and we'll... Yeah, the, the film we're going to be talking about this week is one I've been wanting to do since this podcast was kind of mentally born by the two of us. This was like one of the first things I was like, oh, we should do something like this. It was kind of like when we discussed <laughs> doing Phantasm for our yeah. forgotten franchises. We so, keep saying um, that, but it's true. There was like a list of movies like we could do this, this, and this, and Phantasm, and and this film are definitely on that list. I can attest to that. So, so I guess I'll go ahead and uh, introduce the film tonight. What we're going to be looking at is the 1983 American science horror film, sorry, science fiction horror film, The Deadly Spawn. <laughs> There was the invasion of the body snatchers. Then there was Alien. Now there is the deadly spawn. It began with a meteor crashing to Earth. No one knew the mystery of the mutant spores it contained. Now they are free. They will grow and reproduce rapidly, eating anything and anyone in their path. Something. The deadly spawn. The nightmare is just beginning. The movie real science fiction fans have been waiting for. 
The Deadly Spawn wants you to see them at this theater soon. So th this film really, I mean, just a quick synopsis of it. It follows the story of a crash-landed alien that finds refuge in the basement of a house and grows to giant monstrous proportion, eating those unlucky enough to venture down. A handful of teenagers try to survive the onslaught of the creature and its young. So it's an alien invasion movie, right? But Yes, it is. But it, it does something... I don't know. You know, I first saw this movie, oh gosh, uh, maybe around 2006. And um, yeah, rewatching I mean, it. I again. think in one of our like early episodes, you told a story about locating or how you found your VHS copy of this. And yeah, I, yeah, it was just for the, the sake of maybe people aren't, you know, meticulously listening to every single one of our episodes, maybe run a look through yeah, that one so more time, like what your history. Right, when I started graduate school in, uh, at NIU, so actually no, that would have been like 2004, 2005, um, in DeKalb, there was a, a, a thrift store just down the street, not even a full street, like around the corner from the apartment I was living in. And they had, you know, just your average type of antiques and rummage stuff, but then they also had a whole huge rack of VHS tapes that were like either a quarter or 50 cents or something. And I had read about this movie in, I think, Rue Morgue. There was uh, some kind of figure or something, a puppet or something that was for sale. You know, like if, you know, the weird stuff you can buy through Rue Morgue. Um, and it was, it was the alien from, from this movie. And so I had never really heard of Deadly Spawn before that. And then I go down to the thrift shop, look around one day, and I see one of the big VHS copies. By big, I mean the giant cardboard box around it. Uh, so that was this must have been an original first release of the D of the the videotape because you know yeah maybe was it called the deadly spawn it was called the deadly the, uh, spawn yeah because um, i know there was a couple of release titles for it um uh, mostly to cash in on the success of the alien films but yeah uh, Re return yeah, of the so. aliens the deadly spawn or the return of the aliens like possessive deadly spawn <laughs> um yeah <laughs> and, yeah, and if I can kind of see where they might have been going with that because the aliens in here when they're young do kind of look like chestbursters. So I can see how they could try to market it that way, but I don't think that was the intention of the filmmakers. Yeah. But yeah, so we watched. I no, watched no, 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 I don't think so. Really I think that a fun was a, film. A, but it is, and believe it or not, this is the first time I've ever seen the Deadly Spawn. So I was a Deadly Spawn virgin coming into this uh, <laughs> this viewing. So. Um, yeah, I don't think this has the same appeal as Rocky Horror, but yeah, we'll <laughs> go with that. So I mean, maybe in some way, like in yeah. some way. What what were your so what were your first impressions of it, having just just seen it for the first time recently? Uh, I don't know. I liked it a lot. Like this this kind of movie, I wanted to say like right off the bat, like the Deadly Spawn is a perfect example of the type of movie, and that's probably why it was on our list initially when we started brainstorming about what this podcast was going to be like. It's exactly the kind of movie that I wanted to you know check out and talk about on this podcast so it's something yeah. that's a little lesser known but definitely a gem of the um of the era and it, it may sound odd if anyone's familiar with the deadly spawn that i'm calling it a gem and it's a gem for a reason is it's one of the probably most like straightforward uh entertaining kind of schlocky b movies that i've seen um yeah yeah probably ever like it's just like it has no pretension to it at all. It is very straightforward. It's very self-aware of what it is, and it has a lot of fun the whole time with it. Um, it. It really does, and that was, I think, something I was I was attracted to by it as well. You know, the um, 
and when I was rewatching it, I was kind of thinking about it and jotting down some notes. And you know, so this was clearly made on a very, very low budget. And you can yes. tell that the, and, the and... cast are pretty much probably friends of the director and writer, which is Douglas McCowan, um, who's really only mm-hmm. really known for this. I mean, the budget was twenty five thousand dollars. You know, yeah. It, this it, Douglas McCowan's um, IMDb page only has the Deadly Spawn on it. So really, um, besides he was, I guess, involved in some stage productions and some behind the scenes mm-hmm. stuff in theater. But um, Deadly Spawn's the only movie he's ever directed, apparently. So yeah, and um, you know, it, it's you, the the acting isn't very good. Um, the script no, itself, it's... the the dialogue <laughs> isn't very good. There's a lot of scenes where I kept going. Why are we still watching this scene? You know, there's like some. Yeah. It probably has one of the longest phone call it, scenes I've ever seen in a movie. <laughs> it has a lot of setup to things that don't matter at all to the plot of the movie. Like, it very well may have been padding to try to get to the 80 minute mark. Yeah. Um, oh, I think so. I think like, so. I don't think there was much uh, left on the cutting room floor. Yeah, exactly. And, but it's, I don't know, it's very charming. It's a labor of love, it very is. kind of indie. Um, sci-fi horror yeah, film yeah because I, I was going to say even though the 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 dialogue and the script isn't very very good you can tell this was a solid story though the the story yeah, I, that they're telling here is pretty solid like you could tell this looked good on paper and right and in a way they, they were definitely more ambitious and maybe we'll get to this a little bit towards mm-hmm. the end but there was a lot of ambition that probably didn't make it all the way to the screen if you I don't know if you have this on DVD or if you're still on the old VHS copy, but there is a uh, special feature on the Synapse DVD, the most recent edition yep, of that's... The Deadly Spawn, that has like yep. a prequel uh, comic the book. comic book, yeah. Yeah, graphic novel prequel for, uh, to what exactly they were like thinking um, was the backstory to The Deadly Spawn and, and the alien which actually ends up being a bioweapon of some sort. But anyway, it never plays into the film itself, but it's kind of cool to see the ambition behind what they were thinking. Um, You know, if this were to go on somewhere, if there was more story to tell, Uh, which is very like hardcore science fiction. The, 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 The film, The Deadly Spawn itself is seems to me to play as very much as a horror film rather than a science fiction film. Yeah. Um, but the, the backstory is very like hard, you know, solid sci-fi. So, um, oh, definitely. It was interesting. And, yeah, the the effects too, considering the low budget, you can tell that's where a majority of the budget went to, is surprisingly really good. Um, as far as the, the yeah. creature effects in this, uh, you know, there's there's some gore effects that are, uh, you know, you can tell done a little ham fisted, but but the actual creature <laughs> design in this is really, I mean, that's that's an ugly, creepy alien. You know, it's got an Audrey two look to it, but. In a yeah. surprisingly really good way, um, considering the budget, even not considering the budget, it's like I can see how the image of this creature has had a bit of a of a cult, like I said, a small cult following around it because it's really, it's a bit iconic, you know. Yeah, um, agree. So I think that's something and I really enjoyed about it. I think the thing that stuck out to me the most about it is how similar plot wise or structure wise this movie is to a lot of the nineteen fifties alien invasion movies. Um, Obviously, its sensibilities are definitely 1980s with the you know use of extreme gore at points in the movie, and it's always yeah. played f- for fun or funny, and it, it's not you know it's not cannibal holocaust necessarily, but it definitely dwells on some of the special effects and definitely the gore effects um, in it are, which I thought was interesting. I don't see a whole lot of you know sci-fi horror, alien horror movies that are quite as graphically gory as this movie, so it makes it 
makes it uh, fun, a little little bit disgusting and in a good way, and um, definitely makes it unique. That it's a certain. Yeah. Um, there, there's yeah, a particular. It, I was gonna say there's a particular charm to this where there are some aspects of it that's very dated. You know, you've got one of the main mm-hmm. characters wearing bib overalls the whole time, which is just like, when was that a thing? Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But, if it was. but <laughs> I don't know. But but even even like the way that the 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 kid, the younger brother in this movie, how he behaves throughout the entire film is really strange, and I can't tell if they're really trying to say, yeah, here's a kid who's got some issues, or nah, he's just a misunderstood kid. But today we would look back and say, no, he's like chock full of issues. <laughs> yeah. Know, there's there's and a lot of really weird It seems to be stuff. a lot of movies of this era, a lot of movies in the 80s, especially horror or sci-fi films, always have this character, you know, and, and he was not quite the main character in this movie. A lot of times this character is your, your main protagonist, but they always yeah. have the monster kid, right? That's because... Uh, you yeah. know, basically the filmmakers grew up in the era of, of monster kids, you know, uh, Forey Ackerman's magazine, Famous Monsters was yep. was a big deal and many other offshoots of that. And um, during the 50s, you know, sci-fi monster movie craze um, and also the resurgence of the, you know, the original universal horror films, the hammer horror films, et cetera, et cetera. All of these right. filmmakers grew up on that stuff. Right. And so they were these yep. people collecting the monster stuff. And the, so they're obviously... Um, you know, portraying themselves as children and, uh, and you know, your filmmakers that we talk about a lot or look up to your John Landis, Joe Dante, um, oh, yeah, et cetera, they grew up on that. All, yeah. all grew up on that stuff and still, uh, you know, claim to be, you know, grown up monster kids. So, um, yeah. probably Douglas McEwen, I assume that's how we get this protagonist and he's not really the main protagonist. It's actually the, no. the weird older brother who's very much into the scientific method seems to be the only thing he ever talks about. But, um, yeah, that awkward uh... <laughs> round. Yeah, yeah, it was. There's some really just awkward scenes in this. Again, you can tell that some of they had a great idea about a horror film with alien invasion kind of thing, you know, horror sci fi. But as far as all of the human characters and their dialogue <laughs> and their actions, it's all really like, okay, have, have you spoken to people before? Because no one acts like this ever. <laughs> You know, I mean, I think a little bit of the. Sorry, I was going to say, I think no. a little bit of the characters are kind of like archetypes pulled straight out of those 1950s science fiction films. Like, they were trying yeah. to get a, a way to have, you know, it, this the whole thing takes place in a house out in the country. So, how do we get our scientists or our scientific, like, um, inquiry into this invasion or what's going on? Like, how do, how do we do that? Well, let's put, you know, three. Uh, students two of whom are you know super science nerds or whatever um and they will play the part of the scientists in the movie looking into the uh, invasion and the science behind it um the the lead character the which is who is uh i don't know any of the actors names but the lead the lead character is a young man who um obviously is kind of portrayed through even though he he dresses and is presented with the glasses and everything as a, a science nerd, a science major, I love that too. Like I'm a science major. Like okay, well, which which one? You know, <laughs> I love, yeah. Everything everything they talk about science in this movie is just very general, like straight line. Like oh, science. We like science. You know, um, exactly, exactly. I I mean the the he, the young brother though is really the one that his actions just cracked me up for the entire film because. 
he's 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 a creepy kid. I mean, <laughs> he's like putting on monster masks and not really talking <laughs> scary, to anybody trying to, and trying to scare everybody. He's yeah. making little you know flash powder in his in his bedroom. He wake. I'd like to know because remember this is not with this is set. It's in the eighties, right? So nobody has a VCR. This kid mm-hmm. wakes up at what, like five o'clock in the morning, and he's watching like whatever horror film they're gonna have on network TV with somebody screaming. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> yeah, you know. So there's little things like that that I, I kind of got a kick out of the you know, little oversights. But the the one, and you know, we usually do a little bit of spoilers in these, but the scene in the basement, oh yeah, absolutely, where he's in the basement and he's first understanding. And by the way, so the aliens are um, they're attracted by sound, so it's it kind of a you know, it's kind of a thing that's been in some horror films lately, right? Um, yeah, definitely. This is a, a precursor, or even a prequel to uh, a Quiet Place for sure. Yeah, definitely in, in tone. And but the, um, <laughs> you know, the the, the kids. Although in the I'd be basement. shocked if uh, what's his name hasn't seen this movie when coming up yeah, with that concept. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm surprised there haven't been more comparisons. But again, this is a forgotten one. But you know, the kids right. in the basement, which is flooded, so he's like up to his ankles in water. And the, the giant alien is down there, and it's this big kind of testicle-looking thing with teeth, right? It's this big fleshy <laughs> yeah, ball absolutely. with teeth, right? And, and with he's lots watching and lots it. of teeth, many rows lots of teeth. Lots of teeth. Actually, like a, a really wicked amount of teeth. And he's watching this thing eat his mom and dad, and like literally eat the flesh off their faces. And he's just kind of standing there watching it. And Well, I believe what actually happens in the film is... is isn't he he sees um remnants of the like uh electrician guy the first electrician yeah and then the the monster actually regurgitates his mother's head and then persists yeah. to chew on it in front of him yeah yeah uh, and he's got to no which he makes a couple of icky icky faces but then decides like oh wait i can't move like he, he figures out during that scene that it can't see him if he can't if it can't hear it that's a silly way right, to say but, it, but, but it can't but I, sense I, I he's agree. there if it can't hear him. So. I agree, but I was yeah. watching that scene and going, he's standing there a little too long quietly before he realizes, oh, wait, it won't attack me because it can't hear me. You know, So he's just yeah. like sitting back watching this go on with very few reactions like i would expect yeah, i'm guessing like the intention is it was supposed to be shock or something but yeah he, I, I he think really so. just had I think that so. like kind of <laughs> he has that look uh, on his face like interesting <laughs> you know? yeah like it's huh. you know and especially that this was all precluded with you know this conversation with his psychiatrist uncle about you know he doesn't think yeah, the which, kid's all right and so i i have the whole subplot is one of the things i was talking about earlier with with yeah. it just being script padding, because it has nothing to do with what eventually happens in the film at all. Well, well um, yeah, and I, him couldn't, being I a, couldn't understand Him being a monster that. kid was enough to explain, like, his reaction to the monsters. Like, him, um, you know, it's kind of his, like, biggest fantasy come true in, in a very grisly and awful way. But um, that I think just him being that and you seeing the monster models and magazines and etc. in the right. um, in his bedroom, you understand that he's, you know gonna be equipped to deal with this more than you know some of the other characters in the movie you didn't need the whole like psychiatrist uncle scene and uh really i think that was just to add some minutes so we could get up to that golden feature length (laughs) i i wonder if they added that subplot in though as a way of kind of like you said you know he's he's not a he's not a messed up kid he's just really into this and now here's a thing happening and he's going to be a little more prepared 
Um, and then later on, when, when his brother is seeing people get eaten, his brother actually has, like, a breakdown. It's actually a pretty good scene with this brother, like, completely losing his mind, this, you know, scientific yeah. mind that just is not comprehending what's going on, even though there's, you know, it's a thing that's happening. But still, well, and he keeps I, repeatedly, I still, you know, saying, "I don't believe it. I don't believe in it. Right. it you know, it can't right. be real. It can't." Even though he's seeing all this stuff in front of him, and yeah, that's exactly how I read that was that right. it was a reaction to seeing, you know, this right terrible but violence. I st- and I yeah. still think, you know, the, the kid could be more prepared in the sense that most monster movies have the monster kid that is like, "But I know what to do." But they still like react. <laughs> this kid seems too comfortable with everything that's going on that's <laughs> yeah. my only point he just seems a little too laid back like oh yeah so this is real hmm i'm just gonna hang around and watch for a while yeah like, um, oh that's interesting so that's how they yeah <laughs> so that's how they yeah, not, yeah it was you know, a little not uh, really reacting to the fact that it's his mother's head which exactly. he's just watched this thing yeah. like barf up onto the ground and then you know continue to chew on uh, but I felt like the psychiatrist subplot, especially with the uncle, was really trying to get the point across that he's not a bad kid. He's just into this stuff, right? But then when you when and maybe it's just the way that the kid, uh, the actor, right? Maybe it was just the way that he was doing the role. It gave me kind of a mixed yeah. vibe of okay, is is he just a normal kid, and this is just the way that the actor is bringing <laughs> it to life, or no? Nah, is was the psychiatrist right? He's kind of fucked up. I can't tell. Yeah. You know, and I don't even know if that's a critique. I just think it's it it's um, it just was really funny, along with what some like you said those long scenes of like the the elderly mom and the elderly daughter in the kitchen talking about vegetarian dishes, what for seemed like yeah. forever. <laughs> really was yes. Uh, it just seems like maybe they were trying to pad that a little bit, get it up to a certain runtime. Um, yeah, I think so. But I mean. The payoff of that is also worth it. All the the um, old ladies in their vegetarian luncheon getting attacked by the the spawn and this is pretty great. Scene, oh yeah, that was pretty a hilariously great scene. great scene in that movie. Um, yeah. It reminded me a bit I, of Dead Alive. Yeah, actually, the that whole part I, that's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it reminds me of the um, the, the luncheon scene in Dead Alive. Um, but and yeah, that's how overall, I felt like a lot of the extreme like violence and gore in this movie. That's how I felt like it was portrayed. Uh, very similar to something like Bad Taste, Dead Alive, which are both very kind of like um, extremely violent, gory movies, disgusting even at points, but all played lightly. Um, there's not a whole yeah. lot of like weight to it. Um, even this this movie, there's some just horrible things that happen, right? These, these families just get mutilated by this... Uh, deadly mm-hmm. alien spawn living in their basement and um i don't think you ever feel like it's it, it doesn't weigh heavily on the viewer necessarily it's it's like it's it's more fun watching people get chewed up and whatever in this movie than uh you're not ever I, feeling like sad or sorry for anybody really. I, I i will say from from a personal perspective i haven't seen one of these b schlocker B, B schlock horror films right you know in a long time to this degree where watching that level of gore done that way i'm not saying it like grossed me out but it was like whoa i haven't i'm out of practice i haven't seen stuff like this in a while <laughs> you know and maybe it's just because yeah. i've been you know probably you too like you're inundated with more disney stuff lately but yeah this is like I <laughs> yeah you yeah, I don't have a lot of time I'm... to watch you know extreme gore movies 
recently. No, so. no, no. I think this is now when we need to start going into like the Asian horror stuff finally, and, and really like you know I need to build up my tolerance a little bit more. Like I said, I wasn't yeah, grossed some out Italian by it, but Italian cannibal it just, films. If you can get through those, oh, you're... totally. Yeah, <laughs> I, I just it's been a while since I've I've sat through something like this, so it was kind of fun to revisit it for that reason alone. It's like whoa. This is having an effect that it hasn't had in a long time. It's a little... Yeah, and like, and this movie does dwell on the... Again, it's more, I think, about the special effects than being, you know, disgusting for the... Or being, like, down in the gorgeous for the purpose of being... Um, yeah. Not, like I said, yeah, it's 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 not very, like, mean-spirited or anything. It's uh, definitely all about the effects, and uh, there's some really great gore effects in this movie. There um, are. But I still go back to the creature effects in it too, especially the big monster. Yes, is, the, the big mean, monster the, the, is. Some of the details, like the, the teeth, like you mentioned, how many teeth it has, like this ridiculous amount of teeth. But it's done in a really effective way, and they've got water dripping off of it constantly, which just gives it that gross, slimy look. Mm -hmm. um, it, it was very well done, very well done. It's it's becoming quickly one of my favorite alien creature designs, um, yeah. just for the for how vicious it is. And, and I like how that it's bizarre it is. Incredibly ambitious for the budget, uh, the obvious budget of this movie. And I know that I was reading just little tidbits about the movie, um, and that Douglas McEwen um, had a disagreement with who his effects designers, who initially uh, conceptualized this as a you know guy in a rubber suit type um, right. creature, and he said he wanted to do something you know bigger and better than that, so the viewer. You know, didn't think it, and I do believe it is actually a got kind of a, a modified guy in a rubber suit a lot of times. But they definitely have taken you know special care to make it something special, and it, it's the standout thing of this movie is the is the creature, or, or creatures, or however you want to say it. It's many headed spawn, <laughs> um, but yeah, the the, the giant, um, the, the the big creature that you know climbs its way up to the attic at the end of the movie and attacks the kids uh is yeah. quite an impressive special effect especially considering that it's very obviously a low budget film and uh but yeah all the all of that stuff definitely makes it worth watching it, you're not watching it for the acting that's for sure but um yeah so i was also impressed with it it's it's kind of back to basics approach it really sticks to that like um very simple concept of monster in the basement type um yeah and that's really all there is to it. Like it just uh, don't go down there. You're gonna get chomped on by these things, and <laughs> eventually they break their way out of there and come after everybody in the house. But um, well, it is. It just kind of contained to that one, that one setting, as a lot of low budget movies do. And when done effectively, that can be very good. And I think they pull it off as it. It is effective in this movie. It's claustrophobic. The way it chases them up and kind of traps them in the attic of the house at the end of it is. Mm -hmm. um i think it works really well it also has contains quite a few surprises for me at least um i didn't expect the the main character has a love interest in the movie and usually you know you end up with the two of them yeah. kind of making it through in most of these movies especially in this era um she is just kind of unceremoniously chomped on beheaded and thrown out of a window uh, yeah the, at, the throwing out the window was an odd point, choice like, but i liked it <laughs> <laughs> yeah um and yeah, then everybody it, every single character consecutively window. takes a turn like looking at her corpse and going oh my god <laughs> like yeah. uh, so <laughs> well and then and then there's there, the i have to say actually my one of my favorite shots though 
is the very last scene of the movie. The very last mm-hmm. shot of the film, which is clearly done with scale models. Um, yes. And but it's it actually really answered cool. an yeah, it actually answered a question I had early on, and like the movie opens on that scale model, and I was like, wow, they have a real house here, like obviously because they're walking around in it and doing all this stuff. Why did they build a scale model of this house? Um, right. I thought it was interesting that there was a model, and like, well, maybe they couldn't. And then finally, at the the end scene, when you see the hill rise up and become this just really giant spawn, um, answered that question. I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's why they needed a model. They have the giant, and it looks really good. It's it's really an effective ending. Yeah, um, it really is. I mean, it 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 kind of has a a very you know doom imposing ending to it which um you know a lot of these movies don't end that way maybe there's the little twist ending of there's still one of the spawn worms crawling around or something like that but the end of this actually reminded me a little bit of like night of the living dead in 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 a tone you know the, the movie ends with everybody in you know is now aware of this situation and the townsfolk are burning and stabbing and electrocuting these things and killing them and so okay yep. it's it's getting wrapped up but then there's still something even worse at the end you know and and uh that i thought was was a cool twist one thing i also had to wonder you know you'd mentioned if um uh you know john krasinski had had maybe seen this before he made a quiet place yes i i wonder how big of a fan james gunn is of this for when you look at oh, slither yeah. slither has a lot of uh what feel like a lot of nods to this slither has yeah tons of nods to this and i didn't realize it before obviously seeing deadly spawn um well of course slither yeah, also has totally. a lot of nods it's... to night of the creeps so but you know there's a similarity yeah, there too yeah. but well slither is a movie that i think has a lot of nods to a lot of you know older alien invasion type monster movies like that um but yes i i would say for sure james gunn just even kind of knowing his his history is, is certainly a fan of this film. I don't even think you would need to ask him. <laughs> right, right, right. And I also found it kind of just interesting bit of trivia about this movie. You know, there's not really anybody who went on to do much after this from this cast and crew, with the exception yeah. of uh, director Tim Sullivan, uh, who yes. was yep. a 15-year-old production assistant on the set of The Deadly Spawn, and then later on to have a pretty good career, he was a production assistant on a number of films like Three Men and a Baby, Cocktail, Coming to America, Godfather Part Three. Uh, but he also has been uh, a director with the the remake of Two Thousand One Maniacs that came out in two thousand five with Robert England. Um, he oh right yep he worked on that. Uh, he right. has written quite a lot of things. The Snoop Dogg's Hood of Horror he wrote that too. So here's a guy who's actually had a, a pretty decent. Uh, career as an actor and a producer, a writer, and a director, um, and he uh, he got his start 15 years old on Deadly Spawn. So I thought wow. that was kind of interesting. Well, you never yeah. know. <laughs> like, yeah, you one really of these don't. days when somebody who like PA'd on one of the short films I did or something is going to end up being somebody, and I'm going to have to be you know extremely jealous and bitter about it. So we'll see. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's always hope, <laughs> <Just> right? <laughs> But no, I think yeah, this is this is one where I, I would say it needs to be in a collection if you're into the you know if if you liked Invaders from Mars the the original and Toby Hooper's great '80s remake, um, mm-hmm. you know Little Shop of Horrors I'd throw Deadly Spawn in there too you know these kind of like alien invasion things that you know take over the world kind of stuff with with a bit of gore yeah um, you know it's very it feels very be, 80s. be ready it's, for. It's, yeah, I was going to say, be ready for a 
movie that hit, hits kind of all the the B movie schlockiness, but also has kind of the sensibilities of the you know Italian gore film at points. <laughs> like, absolutely, um, absolutely. Yeah, definitely not. If 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 you know a little bit of blood and guts bothers you, this definitely this probably isn't for you. But um, I don't well, know. It, it's a lot of fun. I liked it a lot. So you could you yeah. This was a. I almost want to say it's a bit of an amateur film, you know, but oh sure. But I really liked the way they were telling the story. You know, there's some amusing, like I said, some amusing little characteristics about it, like these weird conversations that go on and they go nowhere, and they they add nothing but, like you said, padding to the movie. But there's also some interesting ways of of exposition in it. You know, there's so the mom and the dad are eaten right away, but they were gonna go on a little day trip, so that's why everybody thinks they're just mm. gone. And when the kid is looking at the bulletin board where there's a note left by his mom. You know, it's uh, there's a, a post-it note up in the corner that's like, electrician is coming by today. Somebody needs to be here. And I'm like, oh, well, a great way of making sure your main characters will stay in the house. You know, it, right. it's just little, little things like that that, you know, maybe other filmmakers and storytellers would find a different way of doing that, but at least they're not just... It's not all said in dialogue. They're actually... Yeah. There's enough of that in there. There's quite a lot of shit filled in with dialogue, um, but there, there's little things like that too that you get the idea that they they were figuring it out. And ultimately, I still think they had a really good story. Uh, it was very ambitious, and they made the best film that they could. And it's it's effective, which really at the end of the day, that's about all you can ask for. You know? Yeah. No, and it's it's a hugely entertaining. So. Yeah. I don't know. Like if you what's you. I guess let's start wrapping this up. What would you do for a letter grade if you had to? I, I give it like a B minus, just because it's enjoyable. If you're into this type of movie, it's got what you're looking for. It's fun, and it's um, you can tell it was made with with a lot of excitement. You can tell they were having a lot of fun on the set, or they were having a lot of they were really into making this movie. Um, I, I, I have a bit of a soft spot for these type of low budget films because they're definitely passion projects. You know. This, for sure, yeah. Yeah, you can tell they're not making this movie because they're like, we're going to make millions from this. You know, they're making it because they wanted to make a damn movie, and they did. And it it's held the test of time, at least with a small cult following. And yeah, I guess I'm a member of that. So yeah, I give it like a B- because it was, it was enjoyable. Yeah, I think I'm right around the same. Like, I, I, I think I'd give it a B. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed watching it. It's... uh hugely entertaining it's uh funny at points sometimes unintentionally sometimes intentionally it's kind of a love letter to 1950s alien invasion films um but done like i I think i said this exact same thing earlier but done certainly with the sensibility of the 1980s um it does uh got enough uh great special effects and uh gore effects to even to keep um people that are really gore hounds and stuff happy it's uh quite a violent film but uh it's all a lot of fun and um yeah i don't know i don't have anything bad to say about it i i really think this is this is like perfect example of like what i kind of envisioned we would be visiting um yeah when we started the the video junkyard podcast i uh, this kind of you know forgotten forgotten treasure that uh kind of b movies that i happen to love i love them almost more than i love really good movies most of the time so depends on what we're talking about but they're certainly a lot more fun and i feel like they have a lot more passion and um yeah i don't know good monster movie good alien movie i love the ending 
the prequel thing was cool on the DVD. If you get a yeah. chance to check that out, yeah, uh, that's definitely worth checking out. It was that was that's pretty cool. And what did you say? I can't remember off the top of my head, but the uh, company that's released this version of the DVD because I know I have the same one. Um, oh, Synapse the, Films. Synapse is the, Films. Uh, yeah. Yep. And they do a lot of like B and cult um, DVDs. Yeah. This this is a it's a it's a good DVD to pick up for for just to have something like this in the collection. The the alien design is very iconic. I I'm I'm tempted to count the teeth just because it's like how many did they shove in that mouth and it's it's really <laughs> I'm really tempted to fun. Google it so I don't have to. But <laughs> I don't know if I, I don't know if I can watch it that often. But yeah, it's definitely a fun <laughs> one. So but yeah, uh, no, I'd so, recommend it to anyone that's into like B schlock and um, '80s uh, hidden treasures. So. Yeah, I think as of our recording today our next week is actually and this is super exciting but our next week is actually our halloween special oh that's right that's right yeah so we are doing the halloween special which will be visiting three lesser known i would say halloween classics yeah Um, we're not doing halloween (laughs) no not not this year i I mean i'd love to talk i can talk halloween all day it's one of my favorite films of all time but i think a lot of you know breath has been given to it is so we're gonna do something a little bit different like we try to do all the time but right um yeah so three let's call them lesser known classics if anyone has any guesses of what three halloween films we're going to be covering on our halloween special and yes it will be one giant mega halloween event uh we'll try not to make it too terribly long but we are going to be covering all three films on the in one episode so that's a more of a challenge to us than it is to you because we'll at least edit a little bit when you get to listen to it. So, <laughs> are we gonna are we gonna uh, give the same kind of kind of hint that we gave for the Fourth of July one, which was you know we we had told everybody okay so the movie deals with Fourth of July these movies deal with the Fourth of July in the film, right? Is, um, yes, and I, and it actually is exactly the same hint I believe. Yep. So these these all these films are not just horror films, but they actually sent have a central point of them being based on or taking place on Halloween. Right, right. And it's so, not that's... Halloween. Right, and it's not. <laughs> so we give, gave that away already. So Yeah, so um, it's not that one. Just like, you know, for 4th of July, it wasn't going to be born on the 4th of July or something like that. <laughs> right. Um, beyond that, we have a two-part Quentin Tarantino special. We're going to watch... Yep. Um, couple of his movies and we're actually going to focus on films that he wrote and did not direct so if you're familiar with the career of quentin tarantino you might be able to guess which two films those are but yep. if not you know you'll have to hold your breath until then or google it one of the two and then after that i think we're um gonna do something new and do a, a topical episode about vampire versus werewolf films which i'm looking forward to i i am I think... too and that's been a fun one to research i've already been looking into that one a little bit more and that's there's a lot to talk about there. But yeah, that gets us through the middle of November, so we got a lot to look forward to, and hope you guys will keep coming back and joining us here in the Video Junkyard Podcast, because uh, we're sure we're having a hell of a lot of fun uh, talking about yeah. these things. Hopefully uh, you guys are having a hell of a lot of fun listening to it. But I want to thank everybody, as usual, for uh, tuning in, and for, as I said before, streaming, downloading, however you're listening to the podcast. Uh, make sure to check out our Halloween special. This is Joe <laughs> Peterson. Yeah. <laughs> and Eric O'Branson. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. You have been listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. <laughs>
I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. You just can't let them go. Go. Stay on the road. Keep clear of the moors. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to the Video Junkyard podcast and remind you to find us on social media on Facebook at facebook.com slash videojunkyardpodcast, on Twitter at videojunkpod, and on Instagram as videojunkyardpodcast, all one word. want to thank you again for listening, and keep digging. Who knows what treasures you'll find in the Video Junkyard. <laughs>